0: Tennis has a new queen, and she is 17 year old Serena Williams. That was pretty exciting. You know, I was thinking, should I scream, or should I yell, or should I cry, or should I, or what should I do?
1: It was the first appearance in a Grand Slam final for Williams. In
2: 1999 in New York, Serena Williams won her first major tennis title at the U.S. Open. Everyone knew she was going to be a star in the sport and a transformational one, too, but few thought she would get this big.
0: Serena Williams moves a step closer to a record-tying 24th Grand Slam title and sets another record along the way. Against a player like her, you have to have your game, you have to not make that many mistakes. When I'm playing on the floor with her, I think I'm playing like the best competitor in the
2: game. Now, heading into next week's US Open, Serena's going to grace those courts in New York City one last time before she retires from tennis. She's leaving the sport as not just one of the best female tennis players of all time, but one of the greatest sports champions of all time, period. And don't just take my word for it. Take it from other leaders in the sport, like Pam Shriver. She was able to win majors as a teenager in 1999 at the U.S. Open throughout the next, really two decades after that is astounding. It is a brutally tough sport. To play physically, mentally, emotionally, they'll be talking about the career of Serena a hundred years from now, two hundred years from now. I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, essential news from The LA Times. It's Friday, August 26, 2022. Today we talk about the legacy of Serena Williams, not just as an athlete but as a woman, a Black woman, and what's next. For the tennis icon, Carrie Champion is a broadcast journalist who previously worked for ESPN Sports Center and hosted her own sports show with journalist Jamil Hill on CNN. Carrie, welcome to the Times. Thank you for having me. Okay, so we got to start with just the basics of Serena's career because there's just so extraordinary. So, how many titles has she won? What era has she played in? How much money has she made? All that stuff.
1: Well, the basics of the illustrious career of Serena Williams, still hard to believe that she's retiring. She has 23 Grand Slams. That includes two Serena Slams. She's made over $94 million in prize money spanning her two-decade career. She turned pro when she was 14. And now we find her in a class of her own. She has really given tennis her all. And she's, in the same time, been able to open the world of tennis, a very white world, to a black and brown world. And for that, I'm forever grateful.
2: Yeah, you mentioned a Serena Slam. What's a Serena Slam?
1: Yeah, I'm talking the tennis, right? Like, you know, (laughs) you know, there's such a thing as a calendar slam where you win all four slams, which are the U.S. Open, the Australian Open, the French Open and Wimbledon. You win that in a calendar. Serena didn't quite win that in her calendar year, but at twice throughout her career, she held all four Titles. The only other person who was able to do that was Steffi Graf. That just explains how difficult it is to play on the tour, how difficult it is to be consistently excellent, and how it is rare. Two women in the history of tennis have been able to do it. Not Billie Jean King, not Chrissy Evert, not Lindsay Davenport. All the greats that we hear of: Monica Seles, Martina Hingis. It was Serena Williams and Steffi Graf.
2: I mean, if that's not a go, I don't know what is. And Serena is such a greatest of all time to the point that when she announced her retirement, it wasn't through ESPN or Sports Illustrated or even at a press conference, but in Vogue, the fashion magazine. Why there?
1: I think that's on brand for two reasons. One, I think LeBron made it okay to give it to a magazine, but he didn't say what type of magazine when he announced he was returning home. He just did it in a Sports Illustrated article, which I thought was amazing. For Serena, Vogue is apropos. Anyone who is familiar with the world of tennis may often see this woman by the name of Anna Wintour in the stands, rooting for whomever because she is (laughs) a diehard tennis fan. Editor-at-large for Vogue, there is this movie, The Devil Rose Prada, loosely based on her and. how yep. amazing she is and how tough she is and how she likes what she likes and one of the things that she likes is tennis more specifically serena when serena and venus first came onto the scene and very few people would recognize that they were powerhouses that this was the next generation of tennis take it or leave it anna winter was bold enough to do a spread on these two little girls from Compton. And I remember them being dressed in these ball gowns, these beautiful, luxurious, floor-length gowns with their braids and their beads. And it was high couture excellence. And I loved every moment of it. I believe a relationship had been born at that moment that has blossomed over the years. You can find Serena in many Vogue magazines on the cover, articles about her, who she is. And it also talks about how she did everything, which was on her own terms. Nothing has ever been said, Serena, you must do it this way because she's going to do it the opposite way, which is announce my retirement in Vogue.
2: (laughs) What a way for Serena to go out, especially given just the entirety of her life. I know there was just a movie made about Serena and her sister Venus and their father Richard, played by Will Smith, who, of course, won an Oscar for that role, that got into those early years. And I'm from SoCal, so I remember seeing Serena and Venus from the start, but not everyone is from SoCal or saw the movie. So what's Serena's origin story?
1: Serena grew up in Compton, and I put an asterisk next to Compton and growing up there because I feel as if... We really pay close attention to what her father, Richard Williams, was trying to do for his wife and his daughters. He was trying to create an environment, some sort of haven, and what many people consider a concrete jungle. Compton is a city in Los Angeles in Los Angeles County, more specifically, that is known for drive-bys and gangsters and a really, really hard life. It's not a place that you want to visit if you don't live there. Most people who live there are coming from low economic backgrounds, little to no education. And there is a sense for many people who live in Compton, a sense of disparity. And I speak on this because that's where my mother grew up. And very few people are highlighted or make it out of the jungle, if you will. And when they do, people own that. You are Compton's own. I can think of NBA players. DeMar DeRozan is from Compton. He's Compton's own. I remember one time I asked Siri, tell me someone who is famous out of Compton. And it was Serena Williams and Venus Williams. And so what Richard was able to do was create a haven. And by that, I mean, he kept them very sheltered. He did not allow the girls to have not necessarily did not allow them, but they didn't have other friends. They didn't hang out with their neighbors. They didn't play games across the street with their friends. It was all of the sisters and Serena and Venus, and those were their friends. That was their playtime. That's what they did. Richard moved the family from Compton in 1991 to Florida for various reasons, but primarily so that these young ladies, Venus and Serena, could pursue their tennis careers. What was it about
2: tennis that Richard latched onto as a way of thinking, this is what's going to make my daughters into the superstars that they absolutely can be.
1: It's so interesting that you asked me that question because I've been asked that over and over again. And I even asked Venus once when I interviewed her for one of her books that she wrote, I said, what was it about tennis? Why was Richard so drawn to tennis? And she said, my dad always liked tennis. She was like, but the legend has it that, and this is not necessarily written in stone, <laughs> but Margaret Court, was a famous tennis player who at one point in time I was told inspired Richard Williams to make sure his daughter played but she was a very dominant tennis player. She won 24 slams there was a tournament and he was watching Margaret Court win a Virginia Slims tournament. Virginia Slims, back in the day, you could be sponsored by cigarettes. Hmm. And so the Virginia Slims tournament, and he watched after a week, because it was just a week back then, Margaret Court took home $20,000 for winning the tournament at the end of the week. And the funny story is he was like, $20,000 for a week worth of work? All right, I'm in. And so he wanted his daughter's to play tennis. All of them played tennis, in fact. Some were more talented than others. The sister who passed away, Yatende, she played tennis. And Richard tells a story of how great she was. And I remember Serena and Venus always talking about what a great tennis player she was. It was in their family. And he saw what many of us didn't see. It takes a genius who might be borderline eccentric to say, I want my daughters to play in this lily-white sport and I want them to excel and they will be great. And that was his vision. The goal had always been, especially when Serena got a new coach, the goal was always to match, if not surpass, Margaret Court, to just solidify her goatness, if you will. Every opportunity in which she has had to surpass Margaret Court, she could not cross that finish line. I think 2018 was her real last opportunity in the final in which she lost to Naomi Osaka, which is why there were so many different emotions happening there. But Serena saw this record within reach, and it just slipped away. And I think that had to be extremely painful for someone who hates losing. Most athletes hate losing, but Serena is one of those rare athletes. She doesn't remember the wins. She just remember the losses.
0: She's a real competitor, probably even more than what I am. As far as that when it comes to losing, she hates to lose.
2: And so that really hurts her deep.
1: She's even been quoted as saying, sometimes, and especially when she was in her prime. Sometimes I don't even think I lost. As I'm walking to the net to shake hands, I'm like, did that just happen? Did I really just lose?
0: I think everyone in general plays the match of their lives against me. So I just have to always, every time I step on the court, be a hundred times better. And if I'm not, then I'm in trouble.
1: Because she's so locked in and so laser focused on being the best.
2: They obviously had so much talent, the whole family. But how did tennis welcome Serena and Venus and the whole Williams family, for that matter?
1: Oh, my goodness. Tennis, even to this day, and they can argue with me if you will. But even to this day, I feel like a sport that has given her so much, whether that be financially, worldly, culturally, traveling around the world, never really appreciated her or her sister. It is with great sadness that I watch old clips and I see the disdain that the audience and the fans of tennis, American fans more specifically, had for these American tennis players.
0: Welcome to viewers from British Eurosport. It's an amazing sound here. A crescendo of boos for Serena Williams. And the crowd, an American crowd, booing an American family.
1: They weren't welcomed. They were foreign. They were not familiar. They wore beads, which is something that I grew up with when I was a kid. My mother would braid my hair and put beads. It was a style. And they hit the scene and they were unapologetic about their Blackness, the way they looked, the way they talked, the way that they were very comfortable in their own skin in a world that did not welcome them. And I owe a lot of that to Richard. He prepared them mentally. In his book, he wrote about how he would pay kids to call them the N-word while they were practicing in Compton so that... You know what you're getting into. This sport doesn't love you, but you will love it and it will change your life.
2: Yeah, there was an infamous incident early on in their careers at Indian Wells, which it's not one of the big slam tournaments, but it's still a prestigious tournament out in the desert in Southern California.
1: I've covered Indian Wells several times. I used to work for Tennis Channel. That was one of my first big tournaments that I covered. And I remember the lead up to Indian Wells was about how great it is just outside of Palm Springs. It's a wonderful place to hang out. You're going to love it. It is a place where I think players love to play because there is such a relaxed environment. Everything is outdoors. You can walk around. The fans love it because you can interact with your favorite player, depending on the day or the time. They're just walking around the grounds. But when I started to work at Tennis Channel and cover Indian Wells. It might have been 2010. And I was told right away, you will never see Serena and Venus here ever. Mm. And that is because in 2001, they were accused of cheating. Richard was accused, their father was accused of rigging the matches. So when the girls had to play one another, one would lose or one would win. And it was alleged that he'd pick who would win and who would not. And so the day of the final, in which Serena was in the final, as Venus and her dad walk into the stadium, you can hear these boos, loud boos.
0: And there's Father Richard coming down. It's quite amazing. Joe Durie alongside me, Simon Reed, There's
1: Venus. You could see people throwing things. You could see the faces of the spectators with their arms crossed and their disapproving looks. And it was so obvious that commentators had to say, this feels a bit odd. An American <sighs> crowd booing American tennis players. And to his credit, the commentator who had the call said...
0: And you have to say that it does smack of a little bit of racism.
1: Oh, well, I'm, I'm just speechless. I've never heard this before ever and I've been on the circuit or was on the circuit for quite a long time. Hey friend, it wasn't a hint. They hit her over the head with the racism. It was a racket hit over the head with racism. And at one point, their father, while listening to the booze, throws his hand up like with a fist, the Black Power, the national Black Power sign, because he was like, you will not break me, nor will you break my kids. And from that moment on, Serena goes on to win in spite of it all. And again, back to Richard and training them for a world that wasn't going to love them.
0: Fathers and parents know what's best to do for their child. They try to safeguard them and keep them kind of, you so saw what to say, in a bubble. So... You know, if something hits it, it just bounces off and you
1: say, I won't even be able to feel it. She wins and her and her sister vow never to play that tournament until 14 years later. She actually talked about it on a Red Table talk and she said, coming back, I had a lot of trepidation. She was like, I was stressed because I remember after I won, we weren't celebrating. The realization is that I'm so good at this and I love it so much and it's going to change my life as it has already. But they will never accept me for who I am or my sister or my family.
0: In one of the more controversial matches of recent years, Williams has come back to win the title for the second time. She was booed loudly when she walked on court with Plasters, and then again when the player introductions were made. It didn't stop there because when her father and sister took their seats, the huge crowd showed their
1: disapproval once more. And... That, to me, has to be the most heartbreaking thing to come to a realization to at such a young age. It is letting you know no matter what you do, you still won't be accepted. And I believe from that moment on, that was the Serena Williams we've come to know and love. I believe from that moment on, she wore armor that protected her. And while people would say she was angry or she wasn't nice or she was this, it was because she had tried to play their game. She had tried to win how you want me to win and without very much appreciation. In fact, she was ostracized for her greatness.
2: We'll have more after the break. Carrie, you used to be a reporter for the Tennis Channel, as you said earlier.
1: Were there any memorable moments for you watching Serena? Tennis, much like it did for Serena, gave me new life experiences. And the very first time that I was able to cover the French open, I had my very first interaction with Serena. And it wasn't on the court. It was at a restaurant in Paris. This sounds very fancy, (laughs) but there's a famous Indian restaurant called Annapurna, that most go to. They love this restaurant. They being the tennis players. Andre Agassi writes about it in his book. It's where you go and you get together and you basically decide your strategy, how you're going to move, what you're going to do. And I remember being in this restaurant because the food was amazing. And Serena walked in and I remember thinking, this woman is powerful. She is a specimen to behold in the sense of everything about her seemed unreal. Her strength, her grace, her class, her femininity, but yet still this very powerful rage that has her knowing that she is arguably the most confident player there is in this generation on the court, killing the game in such a great way. And she was friendly, but Serena wasn't always friendly. I caught her in a moment where there were a few smiles, but Serena was always business. If I saw her around the stadium or if i saw her at any of the facilities whether it be at the us open or perhaps another slam another tournament the miami open she was very much to herself her family And her friends, very few, were all she had. And that's all she cared to have. Because, again, I do believe she knew what the assignment was.
2: Yeah, and that assignment she conquered again and again on the court. But she also did the same off of it with just the money that she made. Not just what her winnings, but also all the sponsorships and what she did with that money.
1: Serena arguably today is the highest paid athlete, female athlete that is. That is one thing that I do love about the fight for equal pay in tennis is that these women go out there and they fight just as hard as the men and they get paid on par, not necessarily exactly, but on par. And Serena has benefited from that greatly. I would be remiss if I didn't say at one point in her career when she had Arguably 10 more slams than Maria Shiropova. Maria Shiropova was the highest paid. Madison Avenue preferred Maria Shiropova versus Serena Williams. And I'll tell you why. Chrissy Everett said this and she said, they're just fascinated with blondes. I benefited from it. And there was more to it. Yeah. It wasn't that they were just fascinated with blondes. They thought Serena couldn't sell the same things that Maria Sharapova could sell. You will never in your life see that happen to a male athlete. Michael Jordan, they didn't say, you know what? These sneakers, I don't think you're going to do it. We're going to give this deal to Larry Bird. I'm making up something. We're going to give this deal to someone else who doesn't look like you. Serena was always penalized for being a woman and having a very unapologetic attitude about who she was. She never compromised herself. And that's for better or for worse. And in so many sports, we accept our heroes. We accept them that way. We accept John McEnroe. She highlighted that when she was fined, that outrageous fine for threatening the line judge. She said, this man has made a career, John McEnroe, off of yelling at people and treating people poorly and being a brat on the court. He is a legend and he has been rewarded. And yet and still, here I am fighting for equality in a world in which I am the GOAT and it's undisputed.
2: And it was like tennis couldn't just focus on what she did on the court. So much of the focus that I saw over the years was on her body. Like, especially women's tennis, you'll always have, oh, you know, she's prettier, she's blonde or whatever. But with Serena, it was an obsession about her body.
1: Why? It was an obsession about her body because it wasn't mainstream or what America told us what was beautiful or what we saw on the magazine covers or the models that we watched or the supermodels that we admired. Serena was built like a Black woman. And for so many people, this is their first time seeing that type of power and body on a national stage. And if you're unfamiliar with it, you know, your first resource, which is a simple resource, is to criticize. And Serena, to me, was always criticized for what she looked like, especially overseas. When she was overseas, they'd be like, her and her sister look like men. How disrespectful. The Herald Sun newspaper has printed an edited portion of the cartoon featuring Williams jumping on a broken racket
0: during her dispute with a chair umpire in the U.S. Open final. The newspaper has defended cartoonist Mark White's depiction of Williams and is asserting the
2: condemnation is driven by political correctness. Critics of Knight's cartoon
1: describe it as a clear example of a stereotype facing black women depicting Williams as an irate black woman losing her cool. And we've seen that time and time again when Michelle Obama was the first lady. They called her names. It is such a sad state of our society when we feel like different is unattractive. And Serena, to her credit, has been doing it on her terms, pushing the envelope, from the cat suit to cat suit. They've implemented rules. The French Open implemented a rule because her cat suit was not, quote unquote, dignified. It wasn't appropriate.
0: Serena Williams was wearing a purple top and teal tennis skirt for practice at the U.S. Open on Saturday after the French Tennis Federation found her form fitting black cat suit too risque to wear in the future.
1: Who is the person that sits in the office and says, yeah, that's too sexy? She can't help her body.
0: She respects their decisions and joked that she would not want to wear the cat suit again anyway. I've since found other methods. Um, and when it comes to fashion, you don't want to be a repeat offender. So <laughs> it'll be a while before this even has to come up again.
1: And what Serena had to endure when all she wanted to do was play tennis is mind-blowing. Because the drama always was leading up to when she got there or after she played. After every match, it was always something whether it was her fist pump or whether she was too loud or if she argued too much or if she stood there in a certain way and she didn't talk to the chair ump the right way. The $17,000
0: fine stems from three code violations Serena Williams received during her loss to Naomi Osaka in the U.S. Open final, verbal abuse of the chair umpire coaching and breaking her racket, The WTA, along with Williams and critics inside and outside of tennis, argued that she was not treated the same as some male
1: players. It would be written about, think pieces about her behavior.
0: In addition, men's champion Novak Djokovic said he thought the chair umpire, who Williams argued with, should not have pushed her so hard.
2: I was going to mention the fashion because Here's Anna Wintour, a legend in fashion, embracing the Williams sisters from the start. And yet anytime Serena did her fashion on the court, she got criticized. I remember in 2004, she wore a skirt, got criticized. She wore a two-piece sportswear thing and got criticized. A catsuit that you mentioned during the 2018 French Open. And she wore it to help her circulation and blood clots that she had. Still got criticized. How did Serena deal with all this bullshit?
1: I go back to just her strong family upbringing. I think Richard Williams say what you want about him. He really instilled two things. You matter and they don't. Mm. He was fiercely protective of them. You remember the ABC interview where the interviewer says to Venus in particular, do you think you can win? A 14-year-old Venus going to play Wimbledon, do you think you can win? And she said yes, very confidently. And then he asked her again, and he kept prying. And I knew what he was doing as a reporter, but the father did not like the optics of this white man telling his 14-year-old daughter over and over again, are you sure you can do it? Are you sure you can do it? He stops the interview. He said, she told you once, very confidently, yes. This is a 14-year-old little girl. Do not keep asking her. Do not fill her head with that.
0: When she said something, we done told you what's happened. She'll answer it with a lot of confidence. Leave
1: that alone. And if you were that fiercely protective over your child's mental, how could they not turn out to be so strong and disciplined? And no one, no one's a robot. It's not to say that she hasn't had her moments where we've seen her melt down and lose it and be upset and probably go into hiding, rightfully so. But that foundation was already built. And Richard was fiercely protective over. His daughters, because he knew he was sending them into, for lack of a better term, a lion's den, a den that did not want you. And he knew that they would excel and they would be great and their greatness would be resented.
2: I think in many ways, the culmination of that foundation, as you talked about, was Serena's pregnancy. When she won the Australian Open title in 2017 while pregnant, she told the world about how all the troubles and struggles that she had to deal with as a woman, as a black woman, trying to win and trying to do her job.
1: In 2017, Serena won the Australian Open while pregnant. She says she didn't know she was. That even makes her more of a badass if you ask me. But she goes on to have this beautiful baby. And not many of us at the time knew what she was dealing with in terms of the stress of giving birth and feeling as if her voice wasn't heard. The Black maternal death rate is really high. Mothers, Black mothers more specifically, are often said to be ignored when in the hospital. They said that they believe, and these are studies, you can look them up, that they believe the people are ignoring them because they don't think they know any better. Serena came out not long after her daughter turned, I think maybe a year old, and talked about the difficult pregnancy that she had and how she was in the hospital demanding that she be treated a certain way. Now, who wants to deal with that? During labor. Like, no one wants to do with that. But that's what she felt like she was being ignored. And they were very, they being the nurses and perhaps the doctors were very dismissive of her. But not only was Serena fighting that war, if you will, on that front, she didn't like the idea that she had to lose her ranking. As she so eloquently points out, I should not be penalized for giving birth. At that time, if you gave birth, and it's happened to many women we've seen on the tour, you lose your ranking. I remember Kim Kleister's. A U.S. Open champion fought really hard to get seating at the U.S. Open after she gave birth, and Serena made such a fuss, rightfully so, that they changed the rules. Because in essence, you are saying if you decide to have a baby, your career suffers. What kind of message is that that you're sending? And Serena tackled it head on, and they changed it. Kudos to her, right? Because it just makes sense. She is a trailblazer in so many ways, and oftentimes. We forget the good, I believe, that she's done for the sport. Serena is every Black woman. She is the Black woman that is sitting on this podcast recording with you. She is me. She is my mother. She is my neighbor. She's every Black woman in an environment that doesn't understand them. And when we play the game and try to ingratiate ourselves in a world that does not understand us, when we play the game and try to make everyone else comfortable around us, there does come a time when you get fed up and you're just exhausted. And I'm not even talking about the physicality of it all, but the mental aspect was far more difficult for her, I believe, than the actual physicality. Going out there and winning in straight sets, to me, was something she could do in her sleep, because she had been here before and she was prepared for the moment. She could not deal with, at every turn, was criticizing her for something they would not even pay attention to, what someone else did. Meeting Serena, not thinking that she was very warm and fuzzy, because I thought that's what she had to be, to later appreciating her, especially as I worked at ESPN, later appreciating her and changing the narrative of her being angry. It's her surviving.
2: And now you have a new generation of black tennis stars like Naomi Osaka and Coco Gauff and they're calling out sexism and racism and all the other troubles of tennis. What do they and others say about what Serena had to go through? Like this whole idea that Serena ran so that they could walk.
1: It's interesting because Naomi Osaka beat Serena Williams in the 2018 US Open. And I was watching that video back today and the image of two black women, take it or leave it, and I know Naomi represents for Japan, but two Black women crying at the trophy presentation, the crowd booing. And either they were booing for Serena or booing for Naomi. It felt very split. It felt very divided. And Naomi just cried. And Serena embraced her and hugged her and then said, guys, can we stop the booing? That was Serena, the mother that we saw.
2: I felt a little bit sad because I wasn't really sure if they were booing at me or or if it wasn't the outcome that they wanted. And then I also could sympathize because I've been a fan of Serena my whole life. And I knew that how badly the, the crowd wanted her to win. So I don't know. I was just really emotional.
1: Serena, prior to having a child, probably wouldn't have embraced Naomi. Serena has said many times, I hate losing more than I do winning. I can't even enjoy it. I cannot enjoy the win until I get more and more. It's addictive. But the imagery of a world, in the world this case, is the fans inside of Flushing Meadows putting two Black women against each other, pitting them against one another for something that really, truly didn't need to happen. It would have been really classy if the fans just could have clapped for everybody. But what Serena did in that moment is usher in a new generation because I felt she knew her time was up, or at least coming up. And that is for Sloane Stevens Naomi Osaka, Coco Gauff. They are now the ones that you look to specifically for American tennis, Coco Gauff and Sloane. But what I often look back on is that we'll never have, and I believe this, we'll never have another great two decades of dominance. She made it so easy for Sloan to be appreciated and get marketing deals and make money. She made it so easy for Coco Gauff to get her first new balance deal at 16 years old. Like Coco is making money because Serena had to make the money. Same for Naomi Osaka. She's one of the highest paid. This is unheard of before Serena and Venus came along. And so we're watching a changing of the guard and end of an era.
2: We'll have more after the break.
1: me being able to be out here and compete against Serena, share the courts with her, share amazing stadiums. It's been absolutely amazing. More than anything, representation, being able to see that it's possible for me to be able to accomplish the things that she was doing. I think just her legacy of being fierce and being able to silence the haters, I think that's the biggest thing, being able to let the racket speak for herself and allowing her results to speak for herself has been the thing that I've connected with the most because what people have said has never allowed or stopped her from doing anything.
2: That was tennis player Taylor Townsend on what Serena's legacy means to her.
1: And on that note, Carrie,
2: let's do a lightning round.
1: Okay, let's do it. So when
2: you think of Serena's legacy, what are you thinking?
1: I'm going to use an acronym, but it's also an animal. She's a goat to me. Not the best female tennis player of all time, but she is top five, top two best athlete in the world.
2: What's the importance of her coming from Compton?
1: I think visually it shows that we all can do it. Visually it shows if you see it, you can believe it. Representation is important. And it's also important to know that your upbringing or your surroundings don't necessarily dictate where you end in life or what you'll do in life. You can transcend so many decisions that were made before you were even born. You can transcend bad choices, good choices. You are not your final choice. And I think when I look at someone who was raised in Compton, albeit for a little bit of time, I knew the father had a plan to change their life. And he saw this vision so crystal clear that everyone in the house had to get on board. And this is the end result, giving us Serena Williams, the GOAT. Finally, Carrie, what do you want to see Serena do next? I want to see her not retire. (laughs) I want to see her still play. I am very selfish in my quest for her to surpass Margaret Quarterly's match, right? But I think next for Serena is going to be tough. Because she's been doing this her entire life. Now I feel like we're going to see a give back, Serena. As you get older, you realize what really matters. And she's... Not necessarily thinking about her legacy, but she knows there's more that she can give.
2: Carrie, thank you so much for this conversation.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
2: And that's it for this episode of The Times, essential news from the LA Times. Ashley Brown and Kasha Brasalian were the hefas on this episode and Mario Diaz mixed and mastered it. Our show's produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Kasha Brasalian, David Toledo, and Ashley Brown. Our editorial assistant is Madeline Amato. Our engineers are Mario Diaz, Mark Nieto, and Mike Keflin. Our editor is Kinsey Moreland. Our executive producers are Hasmina Aguilera, Hiba el Orbani, and Shawnee Hilton. And our theme music is by Andrew Eatman. Like what you're listening to? Then make sure to follow The Times on whatever platform you use. Don't make us to Buccio Podcasts. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back next week with all the news in Desmadre. Gracias.